The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back, my friends, as we take a few minutes out of our day uh, to be in the Word of God. And I commend you for being here. Appreciate you taking time to not only be in the Word of God, but to let me be part of your day. And whether you're watching this live, watching this later, listening to an audio format, I really hope we can just be a help and encouragement to you. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue in our study through the book of 2 Peter. Uh, we're in 2 Peter, and we're going to pick up down, I think it's um, verse 16. Being 16, we might finish out the chapter, we might not. It really just depends on how long it takes. We strive to keep these different episodes between 10 to 12 minutes. And uh, so whatever we don't finish, we will pick up tomorrow. Because um, the two things we're going to talk about, to those who have been in church uh, for an extended period of time, most of what we're going to look at, we already know, we already believe, or else you probably wouldn't be in church. Uh, but there are truly foundational principles. We've mentioned that one of the premises, the primary premise that Peter wrote this was to encourage a uh, stronger foundation and a deeper walk for Christians with Jesus. And so he, he gives a lot of what we should do, things that are important. He, we finished yesterday talking about the idea that as his life was coming to an end, he was challenging, unashamedly challenging people uh, to be diligent in their growth in Jesus Christ. Well, now what he does is he kind of gives some uh, proof kind of, you know, he said, we've given you some challenges. We challenge you to do this. We've, we've stated things as fact. Let me give you some reasons to believe what we're saying. So let's pick up where he's at in verse number 16, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. The Bible says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Let me just go verse by verse and walk this through. So he says in verse 16, the things that we've told you, he goes, we've made known to you the power, and we've made known to you the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how powerful he is that he's coming back, uh, that these are the things that are foundation for hope. These are the things that are we're looking forward to. These are also things we need to strive to live a certain way in preparation for. He says, but we didn't make these things up. He says in verse 16, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. See, in the world, in this day, as well as in 2022 today, one of the things you're going to see a lot of is created ideas, uh, religions, and there's so many millions of different belief systems and religions out there. In fact, I would dare tell you that I think in reality there's only two different actually belief systems out there today. Um, there is religion and then there's Christianity. Let me explain by that. Religion, uh, there's literally thousands if not millions of them across our, our globe, but all of them have a couple things in common. The first one is um, they, they believe you have to work your way. You have to earn the right. It's all work-based. I have to work my way to be appeased by somebody to maybe get into the other life, things of that nature. And the other thing is none of the, the, those people they follow, the religious beings, had died and rose again, and there's proof of that. So most of it is the fact that it's just a works-based system. Man tells me what to do. It's traditionally based. If I do enough good works, I mean, got my good always my bad, then, then I'm allowed into heaven, paradise, whatever it is, you know, enlightenment, whatever term they used. All religions go that way. Some level of self-based, I have to do something to be accepted, which is what Satan wants to believe. It's the greatest lie of religion in general. Then there's what we call Christianity. And by the way, a lot of different belief systems hold to the term Christianity, but let me explain to you what I mean by biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity states that my belief in Jesus is solely, my faith in Jesus is based on him and his completed work. 
It has nothing to do with me. My salvation, my eternal hope, all of that has nothing to do with me and 100% to do with the completed work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. It says in Ephesians 2, For by grace am I saved through faith, not of myself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the defining difference between biblical Christianity and religion. Religion, I do Christianity, God's done. Now, don't get me wrong. When God comes into my life, He changes me. And we've talked last couple of weeks, a couple of days, sorry, about this idea of what I need to do in growth once I've received. But the hope of heaven, the eternal security, is found in Jesus and His completed work. That's the difference. Is there's religion and there's a relationship with Jesus who has brought me salvation through His work and his, and his gift. That is the difference between the two. You can name them all you want. Those are the two primary differences. And so he goes back and says, we're not like one of these cunning fables. We didn't make this up. We're not creating some kind of religious system so people follow us. We're teaching you the truth. Then he goes on to say why he believed that. Verse 17, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice, which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. So Peter gives an eyewitness testimony of an event that only Peter, James, and John were actually witness to. We call it the, the Mount of Transfiguration. God often, Jesus often, he had his, his core 12. That was really where he focused most of his attention. While he ministered to the masses and while he loved the masses, his, his mentoring attention was given predominantly to the 12, which he then went set out to, to change the world. And then in that 12, he had three that he often took into the higher places or the more intimate places and the situations like that. He goes to heaven. They were able to see uh, Elijah's and Moses, you know, uh, in, in person, even though they had, you know, were in heaven, um, paradise probably, but they, you know, they, they had to, they were no longer on earth. And you look at this, and so they were able to watch this. And while the transfiguration is taking place, seeing Jesus in his true form, a voice from heaven came down where God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So he says, we have a witness. We're not just telling you what we think. We've seen this. And so by our own testimony, we're telling you we know this to be true. He says in verse 19, though, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, and not just our eye testimony, eyewitness, it's more. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn, uh, until the day dawn, and the day star rises in your heart. So he says we have a more sure word of prophecy, more than our eyewitness, more than our testimony. He goes, and you would do well to take heed. Like in the midst of a darkness, if a light's on, you're going to follow the, what, when the light uh, turns on, it gives you information you don't have in the darkness. It helps you to see the dangers and the pitfalls and, and the direction to go. Like that light, you need to follow this more sure word of prophecy, which he continues to describe in verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of, is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so he comes in and he references this Bible that he's been teaching, this inspired word of God, which was still being written. We know at this time he's writing, right? Paul is still writing. There's still letters being, John was yet to write. There's still letters being written at this time. And he says, so you understand that we're not trying to do this to create some kind of movement to follow us. 
We are being used of God and moved to God. He says, holy men of God spake as they were moved. In 2 Timothy, he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The same movement, the Holy Spirit, God breathed. It's the Holy Spirit's breathing, telling them what to say using their gifts and their ability, but telling them what to say so we know that we have the inspired word of God. He says in verse 20, um, no prophecy of scriptures in any private interpretation because we don't have a right as apostles, disciples, whatever term. We don't have a right to give you our opinion. There is only one scripture and we know it comes from God because it has been inspired. Now, so he starts with saying we're not creating this, um, this idea, this fable. This is truth. This is real. This is different than everything else you see in life. And one of the things you'll learn in religion is their belief systems and their hopes and what sends them to heaven or hell just constantly changes. In many religious systems, what was what was sin and would have probably condemned someone to hell 10, 5, 10, 15 years ago is now considered okay. Well, my first question is, were the people supposedly condemned to 12, hell 20 years ago? Are they allowed to come back? Why is it okay now? And if it was sin, then what makes it not sin? It's because the humans feel like they have a right to change. And what are they doing? They're changing the culture. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And culture should not change that. And that's the one of the battles we have. Please understand, some people attribute some crazy things to the Bible that aren't there. So don't go, you know, you know, don't go too crazy. Sometimes culture has created some weird religious systems. But when you really look at this, you look at the idea that the Bible and God has established truth and it has not changed. We want it to. Many people want it to, but it hasn't changed. And the people who have striven to go the other way against it only find themselves empty and miserable. So the ultimate end, the application, the, the thing we hold on to is he states in these verses that we have a hope and that hope comes because we have the truth. We have the, the what's right and wrong. We have the truth. We have teaching. We have God's inspired word, his word, his love letter to us. We don't go to it because we feel like, oh, if I don't, I'm in trouble. We go to it because happiness, peace, fulfillment, abundance of life are found in obedience of this. And he's saying, you want to add these things. Why? Because we have truth. We don't have religion. We have truth. We have hope. We have God's word. And there's nothing more powerful than God's word in your life. And that's not always easy to follow because God's word is often very counterculture but it is the one place you will find his hope, his peace, and his answers. I encourage you, don't look to religion for answers. Look to God's word, and you will find God's word pointing you to Jesus and the hope that you can have of salvation and eternity. Thanks again for joining us today. Hope this was a help. I uh, hope we're reminded of the power of the word of God. It's not just a historical book. It is God's inspired word, and it is literally life-changing. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow.